Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. And this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at Morbidly Beautiful. Now, Women in Horror Month may be coming to an end, but that content isn't going anywhere. So if you missed anything, go check out morbidlybeautiful.com right now and get yourself caught up on some great Women in Horror Month content. Now, today is our very last interview for this month, and it does feature a very special guest. You may recognize her as Dawn from Terrifier or as Lauren in the Return to Newcomb High series. This is Catherine Corcoran. And not only is she an incredible actress, but she's also a huge supporter of equal rights, which we all should be. Catherine was kind enough to sit down and chat with me about what horror, filmmaking, and storytelling means to her. She has a lot of great insight, advice, and stories to tell about her time in the film industry. So please welcome Catherine Corcoran. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. Alright, so I'm here with Catherine, who is a fantastic actress, and she's kind enough to come out and have a chat with me for Women in Horror Month. So, Catherine, how you doing? Great. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be Well, I'm very excited to have you. Uh, we were just chatting a little bit before. You're a dog lover, obviously. I am a uh, big animal lover. <laughs> and we were talking about how crazy they can be, especially when you're trying to record stuff. <laughs> but that is okay. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit about your past, your films, your history, uh, all that kind of stuff, and what you got going on in the future, as well as some uh, other topics such as your uh, involvement with the Equal Rights Amendment as well, if you're cool with all that. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. So absolutely. The, the first thing I got to know is you've worked on numerous different projects from, mm-hmm. you know, smaller projects and, and independent films to some bigger stuff. Um, but you have done a couple of trauma films. I have. And I'm sure you get asked a ton about, you know, your experiences on that. But I, I for personal reasons, I have to know when you're filming those, are the sets as crazy as they really appear to be? And when I've seen them at conventions and stuff, they're really wacky and zany and crazy and all that stuff. <laughs> Are the sets like that too, or is it just like another kind of day at work? Um, well, uh, return. I did Return to Newcomb High Volume One was my first lead in a feature ever. Mm-hmm. I did like other uh, small roles in feature films and things, or anything um, to that scale. So going in, I didn't really know what to um, expect, and um, a lot of. Um, volume one and volume two was like all kind of around the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it was definitely unconventional and super crazy. We lived in a funeral home, the entire cast and crew. <laughs> I'm not making that up. Like it was an actual funeral home that we lived in, in upstate New York. Okay. And we slept on like air mattresses and things. Um, there was one shower, multiple bathrooms for like one shower. So I remember like getting a warm shower was kind of difficult. Um, <laughs> but it, but it operated kind of a lot like summer camp and um, there's something to be said, I think, for everyone 
in for at least what Lloyd does and and what Lloyd does on those things is that he kind of just gives everybody an opportunity uh to grow so it really is like film boot camp and it definitely is crazy but um it's not uh crazy I think in the way that people would assume it's crazy in that everybody is just like working their tails off not really sleeping desperately trying to get this thing done on like a shoestring Mm -hmm. kind of budget you know um, and some of those people to this day I've worked with on on things since then, and I've come back and done cameos for stuff in Troma, and um, those people are still some of my best friends. I've been in their weddings. I mean, it's it's uh, it just does become kind of a family. So I mean, it, it's crazy, but um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it again in a heartbeat. Maybe I'd get myself a hotel room this time, but <laughs> I spend a lot of time at the funeral home. Right, <laughs> you know right. what I just mean? Go back to shower. Well, I mean, you know what it was too? Yeah, just to like shower. <laughs> That's really more what it was. Like um, at the time, uh, everybody else had, um, like they all slept in one like big open area for the most part. Okay. And I was very lucky that myself and uh, my co-star, Asta, um, they gave us uh, our, our own like room, um, which was nice. We had a little bit of privacy, but um, it was right next to the shower like the bathroom shower and it was always like kind of wet and damp oh, so it was yeah. like it was like you kind of like had the trade-off like yeah you got privacy but like everything was always like kind of damp in there you know what I mean so right. like <laughs> it's like you know you take what you can I don't know but yeah and then we all went um we all went to fr- we all uh fundraised uh and got when we got into the Cannes Film Festival and went there together so we all went to France together and kind of did it again <laughs> but this time not in a funeral home okay. um in, in like an apartment on the French Riviera so oh, it was like much nicer. It's a little bit nicer. Yeah. <laughs> it was, but there was de- we packed it. Like it was um it was easily like 20 people in that apartment that should not have fit in there. <laughs> like sleeping on couches and on the floors and like, you know, um coupling up and like just wherever we could fit, <laughs> you know? And um and yeah, but like still like one of the coolest experiences. I think like after that it was in the Museum of Modern Art as like one of the most influential films of the year. I mean, I, it just kind of goes to show like from uh, chaos can sometimes breed uh, some sort of magic. Yeah, a- absolutely. And that seems to be a common th- uh, kind of thread or theme that uh, some of the people I've talked to already mm-hmm. have said that like, you know, especially on indie films, not that trauma is an indie film by any stretch, but I mean, it is, it is. They identify as that. And it certainly is, is, it's like micro budget. Right. Right. Yeah. So, but that kind of, ignites a creativity that you and resourcefulness that you kind of have to be Mm -hmm. like okay what are we going to do now that fell through yeah we don't have the money to do that what's the in-between and then something like you said magical can kind of come from that yeah for sure I mean there's so many times where you're just kind of like gone by the seat of your pants Mm -hmm. like and trying to figure it out I mean and there's a lot of things like they have like Lloyd is really big on certain rules like safety is always like paramount on his things um you know uh that kind of things the stunts are always like really well planned out same with the um uh with the special effects he actually Mm -hmm. shoots everything twice 
which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like he makes you rehearse, which you can't do on um, a larger budget thing because you just don't have the money the, or the, the time. time. Yeah. So he's just like, you know, you're not getting paid for it, but you're going to rehearse. And like, <laughs> that's, you know, and you're just like, okay, you know? And um, yeah, and he's very upfront about it, but he's also like super supportive. Like I don't, I, he, both um, Lloyd and his wife, Pat, have been like real, real mentors and like extended family to me, his daughters as well. And so like, I, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think so. Yeah, like I've, I've I've never met the guy, but I did see him on an episode of Comic Book Men. Oh right, <laughs> like yeah, three or four years ago now, and I'm like, that's where I kind of thought the whole crazy thing came from because they had like the, this woman in the dolphin head. <laughs> yeah. dancing around just doing nothing in the back and i'm like what is going on yeah like this that. Is crazy he, yeah they do do that i actually you'd have to ask him like what the origin of that is he always has like someone in a in a costume usually it's the toxic avenger like behind mm-hmm. him dancing right. i really don't know like well, why but i mean i enjoy it <laughs> i don't know why he does it <laughs> but sometimes... there's probably a reason to it you could ask him yeah. you know and he'd probably have a reason a method <laughs> to the madness i'm not sure i even want to know i like the, I like the mystique behind like it's just there it's always there just keep it there yeah it'd be like knowing the end of inception or something you don't want to actually yeah, know you, no you just right? like, go with it yeah exactly absolutely exactly uh, so from things like trauma you have done other uh parts on some tv shows and whatnot but mm-hmm. arguably your biggest role was terrifier mm-hmm. and again you probably sick to death of talking about terrifier but no i'll talk about it <laughs> <laughs> Your character has probably the best death scene I've ever seen in any movie ever. Oh, thank you. And I, I, I need to know, again, on a personal sort of note here, what is it like to kind of watch yourself die in such a gruesome way? Um, You know, it's actually not just like in death scenes in general for me. It's really hard for me to watch um, my performances in general, not mm-hmm. just death scenes. Um, I think think I'm just very hypercritical of myself. Right. So um, I've gotten better about like sitting through and watching. <laughs> um, for a long time, I used to like introduce films. I'd watch it maybe through once, but mm-hmm. I'd introduce them, I'd leave, and then I'd come back for the q and A. I I wouldn't right. like... Um, I also think a lot of times with films, unlike television, when they come out, it, there's usually like a substantial amount of time in between mm-hmm. from when you filmed and, and, and when they come out. And um, when they're released and you know as an artist you're always growing and you're always evolving so like you're in a very different place when you watch it than when you when you filmed it right um as you should be Mm -hmm. uh but that i you know what's funny is i was just like more i was waiting for like the the mess up almost because i remember do like obviously i i was there and i did it and i know where i'm not there's only one moment where i'm not actually upside down Mm -hmm. um the entire time i am and i'm waiting and i was just like waiting for the gag like not to land and it just (laughs) does like it, it looks so good um it looks like I'm really getting sawed in half. It like, and really it, does. and and I mean, like that's a testament to Damien. Like, before Damien was a director, he was uh, a special effects lead, and he really is like an effects master. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and you can you yeah. You uh, so yeah, um, I do remember like the first time I saw it, <laughs> I was like, this was like probably a little much, but. Um, <laughs> 
I was like, we first time I saw it um, was at uh, Lincoln Center in New York. Um, we opened their horror film festival that year, and it was before we had distribution or anything like that. And I remember it being the first thing that it was like overwhelming was that it was sold out. Like people were sitting on the floor to see this oh, movie. Wow. And the second, and I, but I hadn't seen it yet. So I'm like, and I kind of snuck in in the back because like I told you, I had like a hard time watching myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I kind of like snuck in the back and I was watching it happen. And I remember like, you know, everyone's freaking out when like that, that scene happens. And then, um, you hear some guy and he's like, great boobs though. Like, <laughs> like after the silence happens, <laughs> I was just like, I just couldn't help but like laugh. It was just so funny. <laughs> like I was like, that's yeah. like what you took that, away. That's the takeaway, right? <laughs> like yeah. from this whole moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's so It was just funny. silent. And then like, cause like the scene was done. Everyone mm-hmm. was just like, oh, and then like, you hear this guy. <laughs> I still don't know who he is. So like, I'll never forget that. <laughs> you should have walked up to him and like, thanks. I like whistle like, like creepily. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I should be like actually I'm like, I know, right? And then yeah. ran away. Yeah, that would have been really funny. Away, yeah. <laughs> Guys, <what the> hell? <laughs> so, give him like a, a scare within a scare. Yeah, no thing. kidding, right? Like that gets meta on him. Like, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> and then you have like have somebody in Art the Clown costume just kind of like on the other side of him. Oh my god, that is out. <laughs> Damien's like on the side. Like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then grin. David, yeah, and David's just like, like he would do it too, just like, like bounce around the theater. He loves to dress up at like the cons and stuff yeah, like I've that. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, that would be really funny. <laughs> How long did it take to film that shot? Was it like one and done? Because I imagine with the uh, effects it was, involved. Oh, it was all night. It was all yeah. night. Oh yeah? yeah, yeah. That yeah, we we filmed. That was an overnight, and we shot that um, in like an old hospital in Staten Island, mm. and. Um, they yeah that was like the entire night was that scene and we knew it was going to be all night yeah. um yeah it was long it was a long one it was january too we did oh. that it was like a pickup so it was cold <laughs> it's cold and it was long yeah and you're and, upside down and yeah you yeah. know what's funny is like um i'd done stunts before um but that scene we didn't have a rig for um i was actually hanging upside down oh by my, my ankles so it was a little crazy uh uh, and like you know we time it so i wasn't upside down long enough like for any like brain damage <laughs> to occur good to know. we like we timed it yeah it was like a whole thing and then like i'd like do, so i they'd lower, lower me down and they'd yell like action and they'd time it and then they'd i'd like do a crunch and then they kind of put me back up but they couldn't take my legs down all the time Ooh. so a lot of times my legs were still in the air yeah um and I and I, I I did actually get kind of sick after that. Like I went, we talk uh we talk about this story a lot. Uh, Damien and I when we're on panels and things, mm-hmm. it's like I went to the doctors like a couple days later, and I was like, you know, I expected to get a little sick. It was cold. It's like a long night. You mm-hmm. know, that happens like a cold or something. But I was like really like dizzy, and I couldn't like figure out like what why what was going on. So I went to the doctors, and they were like, um, did you like? gymnastics or like swim or something and i was like no and i kind of told them i was like but i did do this like a couple days ago and i proceeded to tell them and they're like okay 
So next time you have to be <laughs> fully vertical again, because what actually does happen is that like you're not risking seizure, but like the blood in your body is like pooling. Yeah. So as you were getting like sick, you know, you have like ear infections and things mm-hmm. like your eardrum is moving out of place because you're like skulls. So like basically I just had a really bad ear infection and they had right. to like give me like antibiotics and make sure everything like went back to normal. I had right. to use like weird drops. But yeah, it was kind of funny. Like that. that's <laughs> that's like what they said <laughs> do you swim or like yeah. what, what's going on yeah you should just you should have went in with like the the dummy that they used to cut you in half and be like can and you fix evidence. this can you yeah. fix me yeah just open up the coat and be like can you fix this and watch the doctors just pass out yeah you know like, what's funny too is like i i um i have a i've done a couple of effects now where like things have like happened to like my characters physically so i've had i have a few body casts that have been done <laughs> okay. over the years and um i don't have so like damien still has he promised me i could have it but the <laughs> the legit like the one of my body for that that we right. did but like the the logistics are it's like it's a life-size plaster um replica of my entire figure because right. to do that it has to be that yeah. and so um i like i can't get it to my house because it's too heavy <laughs> so yeah. he, he has it he promised i could have it but I, it's in his backyard i think i want it for my backyard i want to make like a weird <laughs> alien um creature with like all my body parts and make it like a bird feeder that's really what i want <laughs> or, scarecrow. I, uh, or scarecrow yeah like one because both you both, know yeah. <laughs> enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah i just that's like a goal of mine and i just can't seem to get it to my house it won't fit in my car it's like you can't bend it it's just laying it's, it's hard plastic it? or yeah plaster, it's yeah. plaster yeah it's like basically cement it's yeah. heavy yeah <laughs> <laughs> One day, one day I'll get a truck. I'll have access to a yeah, truck, and I'll be like, I'll call him. I'll over. call and be like, I'm coming for it. And I feel like, oh God, here we go. <laughs> well, I mean, you'd have the best Halloween decoration on the street, right? That no, would be no, I not have a good window. Oh, I do have a good window in my apartment. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Oh, just that's yeah, even just worse. A headle- it's headless. That's yeah. the thing. Even better. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't <laughs> have a head. <laughs> I think there is like a head somewhere. But, somewhere. Yeah, but the head we did separately, so oh, it's okay. not, it's not attached. <laughs> Like I said, that's then you could just like if you got hold of the head and the body, just start like moving the head around the window every couple hours or something. Like have so it, the like, same person walks by, or oh, just have a dang. Really creepy. You can't see the arm motion that I'm making of it, like back and forth, but you get the idea. Yeah. Metronome. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> if you ever do that, I need a picture. <laughs> All right. One day I'll send it. I'll send it to you guys if I ever get it. <laughs> Put it in there. Put it in like the the rider or something. The agreement, the terms of this uh, this podcast, <laughs> yeah, whatever terms. that is. Yeah. yeah. The terms of Must the interview. Ret- we need if, a if, picture if, of that. If yeah, in exchange for this time, <laughs> yeah. Catherine agrees to uh, to surrender video of severed head suspension <laughs> if and when it occurs. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, so, what do you have coming up in the works? Uh, I mean, I like I've checked out your IMDb page and. Hopefully anybody else who is, you know, listening to this has done some research on who you are, if they don't already know. That would be uh, nice, but no no pressure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, like, um, I think your agent was mentioned that you're working on something now. Uh, yeah, so I'm actually, I'm in, um, development, uh, why well, I'm just finished actually, I don't know which, which they were talking about, but I just, uh, finished, um, this film 
Three Days Rising, mm-hmm. which is a really, really awesome film. It has Kelly Dowell, uh, Peter Green, uh, amazing, amazing cast overall. Um, that's like a modern adaptation of Fall of the House of Usher, which I'm oh. like really excited about. Okay. Um, that's really fun. Mm-hmm. That whole team was a lot of fun to work with. And then right now, I'm in development of a series that I also created. So mm-hmm. I'm not, yeah, until I know a little bit more about where that's going to go, I'm only like slowly right. uh, giving little hints about yeah, that. Oh, but yeah, um, that one's, re- <laughs> yeah, but that one's really fun. It's not a hard, it's not a hard thing at all, but it definitely has some, um, some, you know, horrific elements to it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, and I, um, and then I, uh, I actually just got to talk about, just got um some dates for this um project or some like loose dates for this project mat rats that i'm really really excited about it's the same uh team that did uh this other film that just came out this year that i worked on called 100 acres of hell it's not a horror film either um but it does have a little bit of like crossover it's allowed the same team that worked on that so um uh, a lot of the team that worked on Clerks and works on Comic Book Men, mm-hmm. but then also um, 100 Acres of Hell has a couple really amazing professional wrestlers in it. Okay, and this is the true story of um, a uh, a kind of child wrestling prodigy that came out of South Jersey. Um, and his mother, who had him really, really young, and their kind of journey together. And mm-hmm. it's a really fun one. So I'm really excited to do that. And then, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. There's um, this film I do encourage people to watch. It's not. It's been out for a bit now, but um, and it's not a horror film, but it has some really cool horror alum in it. Okay. It stars myself, um, Nicholas Tucci, who people know from You're Next mm-hmm. and um, Channel Zero, and then uh, Fran Kranz from Cabin in the Woods, and then also this awesome actor Adam Wepler. And um, it's a psychological thriller that's on Amazon that I really really like. So if anyone's like looking for something to check out, I would recommend that one. Yeah, awesome. I don't know. Is that enough? <laughs> I'm like throwing <laughs> yeah, a lot at you. No, that's fine. <laughs> I, so what do you this is kind of a I don't want to say a loaded question but mm-hmm. um, do you have a preference do you prefer working in horror films or do you not care what the work is or you know like um, what's your your go to you know I, everybody asks me that and I mm-hmm. think um, I think honestly there is a hurdle that you you have to kind of get over as an actor that differentiate differentiates you between being an actor and a working actor mm-hmm. and be and people really underestimate how difficult that is to actually be a working actor and i am like so unbelievably grateful that i can i can call myself that mm-hmm. and a lot of that is because of some just early work that i i had i received in the horror genre so initially you just go where the work is and and i was booking and um i was really lucky that um the genre embraced me the way that it did and the horror community has like an amazing amazing um supportive community that Mm -hmm. a lot of genres don't have um which is super super cool so i definitely always feel really welcomed and i i like coming back i think as an actor you always kind of want to expand and and want to do and as a storyteller want to do different things but what's really cool about genre and about horror in general is um that it explores a lot of um 
psychological tropes and societal tropes and problems, issues, things that are kind of taboo that we're afraid to talk about often before other genres will, mm-hmm. um, because it, it doesn't it, it doesn't hold itself to that same kind of uh, review system. It, it really does have its own community and standards. And um, as storytellers, I think we have an obligation to explore um, these psychologies and these uh, societal issues as a way to kind of create progress. Mm -hmm. So I am always drawn to uh, genre and to uh, horror and to, you know, psychological thrillers because they do that. That's not to say that I'm not drawn to other genres as well. Of course. Um, I just have found that that's that's where I've been most embraced and and where where I've had the opportunity to tell those kind of stories. But I'm hoping, you know, that in general, not not just for my own uh, performance abilities, but for uh, the sake of film in general, that, you know, people are willing to take those same risks that uh, horror films take in other genres. Yeah, you, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head with the, especially with the the horror community being, you know, one of the most supportive. Mm-hmm. It it's so true. I can't tell you how many of the the interviews that I've done for Women in Horror Month, they've all said almost exactly the same thing. Oh, that's so awesome to hear. It's, it is. It, it's so supportive, and especially uh, when you know film and the well, the, the film industry in general can be very male dominated. Hearing Absolutely. that that these women are being accepted. No matter what the role is, be it actress or uh, behind the scenes and special effects, directors, mm-hmm. writers, they've never really had a terrible experience working in the horror genre, which is mm-hmm. really awesome to hear, to be completely honest. Yeah, I mean, and I again, I think there are problems and issues uh, and obviously... Uh, wage and gender disparities mm-hmm. in in film and that does unfortunately extend into horror but overall i i find the the need to push the narrative forward and the uh power that women feel in 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 telling these stories and in the opportunities they have to maybe uh direct or write for the genre has never uh i has never been uh more at the forefront so you know I, I, it's really cool to be a part of that yeah absolutely uh, you you mentioned there the uh like the pay equality stuff and that's mm-hmm. a big uh thing you're a proponent of you you really stand behind that as a as an actor and as a person mm-hmm. right yeah absolutely so, so feel free to to you know let us know what you're doing what it's all about and what anybody or everybody can do to kind of get behind this cause because it's very important yeah well i mean more recently so every time um i'll do i do uh like a convention appearance or um you know or i'm at like a film festival i really push for a uh a women particularly women in horror panel Mm -hmm. so that there can be like this conversation i think they're some of the most impactful conversations i've been told of um of the of the genre and as um, I'm developing my own series I'm uh, working really hard to make sure we provide um, opportunities for um, young women uh, women starting out in the industry particularly women of marginalized backgrounds mm-hmm. um, because I I do really really strongly believe that those opportunities are are unfortunately not as uh, allocated as they should be mm-hmm. um, uh, that being said uh, the 
the bigger cause that I was uh, really working uh, to bring awareness to has actually been ratified, which was the Equal Rights Amendment, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. There's still a lot of other steps that 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 need to happen, but the fact that it has been ratified um, in enough states to uh, go to the floor is incredible. Um, the Equal Rights Amendment would make it a uh, federal uh, law to um, uh, or would make it illegal on a federal level mm-hmm. to deny um, women equal pay for equal work. Right. The issue that still remains, at least in the film world and in the arts world, is that Unfortunately, we don't have um, an HR system that regulates that. Um, Everything's kind of on a – you're a freelancer, so everything's kind of on – Contract base. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, we do have an amazing – as actors, and we do have an amazing union. Mm -hmm. As directors have a a great union, uh, writers have a guild, and so on. Um, But it is really hard to police that. And I think that the – my personal view is the only way to really um, shed light on this is uh, to continue to tell stories that feature female protagonists so that we can see exactly where uh, the wage gap is based on what actors and uh, writers and directors are earning for these types of stories. And I, that's more important, I think, just on um, an economic level. I mean, uh, only 20% of all uh, film narratives uh, feature a female protagonist and 50% of all moviegoers are female. So, I mean, <laughs> it's just like, it doesn't really, it doesn't really make sense to me. Right. I mean, I, I could go on and on. A lot of times um, when we do these panels, the conversation actually shifts a, away from um, uh, wage inequality and a lot of times towards like... Um, nudity and um and um sexual assault in the industry which is still super prevalent um on my instagram i link to um the times up resources links which are really really good they released them um about a month ago um that shows you what you're legally entitled to and things like that so i think that helps but a lot of it is just like continuing to educate each other as as women as filmmakers through podcasts like this about mm-hmm. what what your experiences are and and what's legal what's not legal and also i think it's only going to be through conversations like this and pushing for more representation that um we're going to see a shift in that and we already are i mean we're still a ways away but we're mm-hmm. already starting to see that see that shift which is incredible yeah it it it's sad that it's taken so long to kind of get to where it's at first mm-hmm. off <clears throat> but uh, and i don't pretend to even know how the like film contracts work or how actors contracts work um and i'm sure there's a lot of like nuances and little details mm-hmm. that go into how much you know each actor is paid um but just on a basic level you'd think if you know uh, Sally and Jim both have 50 minutes of screen time. They should get paid the same, but that's not always the case, is it? No, um, it's not. And I mean, there are certain things that come into play. Um, there's this ar- there's like um, an argument for that to be made for name actors and and what uh, like a certain talent brings to a film because mm-hmm. of their name. So right. like they they can guarantee you know, because a certain actors attach that there'll be certain amount of eyes in the film, which is absolutely 
uh, I think, valid argument. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you should be paid for your experience and and what you bring to the table in the same way any other sort of freelancer should be. But I do think there should be... um, there should be more openness in that because unfortunately, like I think the idea of weighing whose name is more valuable, whether they're a man or a woman is, is gets a little murky. Cause right. if you have someone like, you know, you know, Jennifer Lawrence up and then you also have, you know, Liam Hemsworth, who's to say that one name is more valuable than the other right. on a project. And I mean, I, I, I know neither of them and right. I, I'm sure they're both fantastic. And, you know, <laughs> but I'm not I'm not I'm just using that as an example. Yeah, as an example. Um, yeah. Um, who's to say uh, that, you know, one is more valuable than the other. And I would argue and again, I, I that I would argue that the male in in those situations would get paid more. almost always yeah you know and which is the problem you know not that either of them is lesser of an actor or deserves less income it's just where do we draw that line yeah and i think where it really comes to a head is in issues like um like nudity there's like especially with the ratings board there's Mm -hmm. all sorts of rules about like how um how much uh like uh male nudity you can show um like down to the seconds of how much like a uh, frontal uh male nudity you can mm-hmm. show but not really so much for women right um there is like a it's like very murky and on top of that men aren't usually asked to do it mm-hmm. and if they are asked to do it they get a substantial pay bump and they're mm-hmm. often told yes and they're often told about how brave they are you know <laughs> like so what a risk you know blah blah oh blah blah, blah. but it's so true though it's really true and then wow. for women it's like it's what you're almost it's expected to yeah well yeah it's you will have you will most most male actors will never have to deal with that conversation as to like whether they're comfortable getting naked Mm -hmm. on film but women will almost always i i don't think you will meet a female actress that's not a female actor that's not come across that conversation and then it's like how they navigate it it's kind of a damned if you do damned if you don't situation like if you don't do it you're told oh my gosh she doesn't really take her art that seriously right you know she's not really an artist but then if you do do it it's like oh she doesn't really take herself that seriously right and and you can get a pay bump um but it's only about a thousand dollars oh my god and that's not not always like like on on micro like budget films Mm -hmm. they're not gonna get you don't get offered that pay bump like contractually they don't have to offer it to you as long as they're upfront about it you know so it's just like it's a very murky area you know where it's like oh my gosh how brave how brave of him to show his like very shadowed penis yeah that is covered in like a merkin anyway and you can't yeah, see anything <laughs> as opposed to like where then you have someone like me who's like upside down like yeah nude. completely you know what i mean yeah you know actually like i'm not and that's the other funny thing about that particular scene like i'm not even completely nude like i have underwear on in that scene mm-hmm. but when artists um like render it they always like oh not always but like often omit the underpants of course which i find like so funny <laughs> just like i mean they were there yeah <laughs> Like somehow you think you've seen something. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, and I don't know, it's just something I had to learn like really early on in oh, my career, wow. you know, and I, I felt um, that, you know, I, it was just something that I had to navigate and I, I didn't know how to, and I didn't, and I, you know, I have an amazing team around me now, but I, I didn't have the support that, you know, 
and the experience of uh, people there to kind of guide me. So it's a conversation I think is super important to have, especially for young women um, new to the, to the business. I I honestly had no idea that that was, it, it went that far. With, yeah, it does. Yeah, like, but now you do. And that's yeah, the beauty of which it, is you know? Perfect. Yeah, this is kind of what we're looking for. Like uh, the inside scoop on how these things work. Because, uh, and that, that probably goes to the fact that a lot of these rating boards are directed by probably men who don't mm-hmm. want to see penises. <laughs> it's well, like, it's a little, yeah, it's a little dated now, but uh, there was um, this amazing documentary that Trey Parker and Matt Stone worked on. Oh, yeah. Um, really? Called. Yeah, this film is not yet rated. It's oh, yeah, da- it's, it's yeah. a bit older now, so some yeah, of the, okay. the the facts of it may not be as accurate. Mm-hmm. But they do go through, um, and the big example that they use um, in that film is uh, is that, uh, and I and I may be like fudging the story because it's been a bit, but is that um, the same year that Boys Don't Cry with Hilary Swank um, mm-hmm. came out? So did the first um, American Pie film. Yeah, it was like ninety eight. Right. And so if you get an NC-17 rating, you can't advertise. So that means that uh, you really can't profit on your film. Like you can put it in theaters, but... You're going to see it. Well, yeah. And again, it's like word of mouth kind of thing. Now, arguably, so uh, uh, Boys Don't Cry received an NC-17 rating where, um, and they... uh, so, and the reason being is uh, not because there's any nudity in the film, but because there is a scene where you see like Chloe Sevigny from uh, above her chest up, like her, um, just her face in ecstasy. And then you cut to um, Hilary Swank again, um, chest up, just face. There's nothing like neck and face. That's right. it. They're yeah. close ups. And she wipes her mouth. And that's it. That's it. And that was the reasoning that the ratings board gave for. Um, for the NC-17 rating. Meanwhile, that American same Pie year, American Pie R. comes like it's an R. Can advertise for like a billion, you know, and you have like Jason Bateman, like literally gyrating into a pie. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is like, I'm like, and like, and I, of course, like, and what's amazing about Boys Don't Cry is like it goes and because, and you know, with, it was an Academy Award nominee. Mm-hmm. Um, Hilary Swank, you know, wins an Academy Award. It's amazing, um, arguably an amazing piece of art. But what one shows is a very female interpretation of sexuality and, mm-hmm. and as an interpretation of sexuality dealing with female pleasure. The other one shows a very heterosexual male. Yeah, very porky portrayal. Feel to it. Yeah, yeah, portrayal of sexuality. And yeah. I think it. I mean, I think all these things are connected, right? Where you you have to understand what it is to to be a woman and 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 to have that experience and what it is to have an experience as something other than a heterosexual white man right. to um, be able to uh, at, to adequately portray these correctly on film and also pay people properly for their work mm-hmm. because you have to you have to understand other people's realities and ultimately to bring it full circle that's what it comes down to i think that's our purpose as storytellers is to be able to tell these stories so that uh people have an understanding that they may not have had a few moments ago yeah. so whether you're doing it in this podcast or every day on screen mm-hmm. that's the that's the the point so sorry that's a bit long-winded no that's but there we are <laughs> 
I mean, it's something you're passionate about. So, I mean, that's sure. obviously that it's going to take up a, a long portion, which is perfect, <laughs> perfectly fine. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. And if anybody's not okay with that, then I don't care about that. Oh, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, mean, I hope you all stayed with me. Yeah. Well, me too. <laughs> we'll see. I guess we'll see. Can you see when, um, I guess you'll have to tell me if you can see on your end, like what people listen to and what they tune out for. It depends on where they listen. Uh-huh. Um, some places like Stitcher, uh, mm-hmm. they, they keep track of like down to the minute oh, uh, nice. of how long people listen to, uh, the host I use, they don't, they just tell me how many people have listened period. Like even if it's 10 seconds, it counts as a, a listen, we'll listen. but, uh, yeah, uh, so I'll we'll keep see, we'll see if I bored, yeah. if I, if I bored anyone, I'm I don't sorry, think you I bored anybody. I don't think that's <laughs> going to be the case. Uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting and you know, the people who want to know are going to stay and listen to that and, yeah. you know, and if I they hope. don't want to know, then hopefully you've kind of talked them into wanting to know more about this topic. I mean, yeah, I mean, I talked, I know I've done enough about like genitalia. Let's like, uh, <laughs> well, that's the big sell. Is at the least, I, yeah, I mean, if nothing else, you should have tuned in for that. I don't right. know. <laughs> yeah, but at the time the guy said you had great boobs, you know, like, that, yeah, that, right? like, that got listen, them in. They're right here. Right. Now. They're here now. I'm, I'm, I'm caught. I'm, giving you facts about how the boobs got there like (laughs) that's true it's true (laughs) i am very very full circle now (laughs) (laughs) oh man but um so uh, that is kind of a heavy topic and and Mm -hmm. i don't want to i don't want to end on that you know no no no. um so i do a very fluff question for you oh i'm I'm down let's go perfect i'm ready for it if you could work with one filmmaker a director writer one of those two. I'd say producer, but I, I'm not sure if they have such a creative say in a lot of the process. But uh, director or writer from any time, living or dead, who to be? Oh, wow. I thought you were going to say, see, I can give you now, but probably Arthur Miller. Okay. Um, it's a, he's a playwright. He's my favorite uh, okay. playwright. Uh, he did um, All My Sons, Death of a Salesman, okay. View from the Bridge. Um, All My Sons is my favorite play of all time. So I think he, he also is, um, people would know him that aren't like nerds like me, uh, would, (laughs) would know him from, um, uh, he, he was married to Marilyn Monroe for a period of time. So, and, uh, is credited. Come on. Well, I mean, yeah, (laughs) but, but actually she, when she made her, um, her move to New York City and really trained at uh, the Lee Strasberg Institute, which is mm-hmm. actually where I trained, not because of her, but that is is where I trained. Um, she like she dated him and they, and they worked together. And I think he was one of the first people uh, to really see her as an actress. Mm-hmm. And I, I just always kind of loved that. You know, I think it's really easy to, to see people as um, what, in entertainment, one, the box that people put us in, you know, be it a hypersexual being or, you know, a scream queen or whatever it is, you know. And um, I think uh, I would I like to think he really saw her. So and I, I think he wrote some really interesting characters, both men and women. And so I think I'd love to work with him. I mean, obviously, I could say like Shakespeare or something like that, but right. they, he didn't even cast women, so yeah, I don't know if he would have worked yeah. with me. Yeah, sure, I don't know if he would have worked with me. If you're alive today, <laughs> different story, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, back in the uh, 1600s, yeah, hundreds, yeah, much, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, back then, <laughs> he was. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, now I guess in genre. Uh, I'd love to work with the Soska sisters. I think okay. they're amazing. I'd love to work with them in like mm-hmm. indie genre. And then um, in main, more mainstream, hands down, uh, 
Tarantino. Oh yeah. Hands down. Yeah. yeah. That would be That'd like, be cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And he's so my favorite. And he, well, there's a couple favorites, but like for, for me, like that would be like the, that'd be like the culmination. Yeah. And it seems like you're actually kind of the type of actress that he would cast. You know, um, you, like you have a, a experience, solid experience. You're well known in certain genres, but you're maybe not like, you know, you're not a, a, like Jennifer Lawrence or something like that that we talked about where, and he likes, to, I, I've always found he always casts women or characters or people. Uh, like I think in uh, Reservoir Dogs, I don't think Tim Roth had anything before, really before that. So he, yeah. likes, to, he likes to bring in up and comers is what I'm trying to say. Oh, I, I, <laughs> in a yeah, long winded way. It, <laughs> maybe, uh, yeah, put it out there, man. Yeah. Um, I think I think Once Upon a Time uh, was uh, pretty uh, pretty celeb heavy though, but he's earned that. He de- he deserves a, an all star cast. Yeah, he, sure. he does do those um, ensemble casts too. But. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I mean, there's so many. Like, there's so many though. I think like when you love movies, like now that you're, I'm like thinking about, it, I'm like, oh, but this director, I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like when I was younger, I loved Tim Burton. Like I just, oh, I right. everything he did. Now as it as it's gotten a little further along, I, it's just not been as much for me. But I still like getting to meet him is one of the coolest things that's like ever happened to me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's just like moments. Everybody has their like, you know what I mean? Their person, their hero, so to speak, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. You it's know? always dangerous so, to meet them sometimes. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I still haven't met Darren Aronofsky, and he was a big oh, one for me. Yeah, so, yeah. so I'd love numbers. to work with him too. I think I don't know. There's a lot of people yeah. out there. I, I, have a, I have a lot of time. I have it, a lot of time. Ahead that's of true. That's true. It, it's it's kind of an unfair question, which is why I kind of like to ask it. <laughs> but, yeah, it's so unfair. I think yeah. I you know, there's also a lot of people that I've worked with over the years that I would love to be able to do like dream projects with with right. them. So I'll put that out there too because I've been very very blessed that I've worked with some amazing, amazing female filmmakers. Uh, mm. Jenna, uh, who is uh, also in, stars in Terrifier, uh, is an amazing female director, and I would love to one day be able to do something together with her down the mm. line. So there's so much, like, so, so much putting it out there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. And what is, like, the series that you're uh, creating now, mm-hmm. are you going to be the director on that? Or are you just going to be the showrunner sort of thing? Um... TBD. TBD. Uh, okay, I don't enough. I don't fair I don't enough. think I'll direct. Um but me but you never know. Would never you ever know. want to direct one day? I would. I would. Maybe not this one. Um uh but yeah, I would. I I think um I'm still uh exploring a little bit um different avenues of storytelling. You know, um this I did uh this story is is mine and I, I wrote I mean the story itself is not. It mm-hmm. comes from a place in history, but right. um but the the way it's interpreted in the show is is my retelling and I, I wrote the pilot script. So um, you know, there's definitely like I I've been exploring that kind of avenue and and I've written for people over the years. So maybe down the line, you know, I've definitely I've produced over the years and mm-hmm. I've um I've been lucky that I've been able to do that in cast. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe I don't I, I think I'd be a little intimidated now, but I guess you never know. You know, I met um I met Barbara Crampton at um, recently, and and we were just chatting, and she said that she's working on a project with a female direct writer director now, and the right the director said the same thing that she was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I'm ready, mm-hmm. um, and Barbara was like, you're never going to be ready, you just have to do <laughs> you just it, have to step and, in, yeah, yeah, and I mean, <laughs> Barbara's like, you know, kind of 
an icon in that way mm-hmm. that I mean, so maybe maybe I need to take some of her advice. We'll see. Yeah, we'll have to see. <laughs> dive in head first. Yeah, I mean she she does. She certainly does. And yeah. uh and it shows and she's amazing. So yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, well I'm sure you have the ability to. It's just getting ready to step into it. I, I th- yeah, I think look, I, I I would never compare myself to um the director that I've worked with over the years because their experience just rivals mine so and i wouldn't even call myself a director because it hasn't happened yet but me but you know you never know i guess maybe i, I would ask for a lot of advice from the people I've worked <laughs> yeah. with, for sure for yeah. sure and there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> yeah i think everything's about learning life's yeah. about learning growing, absolutely so absolutely uh so before we do uh, kind of wrap things up here i do want to kind of get a little bit more serious again for a second Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we talked about the industry and you know what people should look out for, especially young women, what to expect. But mm-hmm. what advice could you give somebody who might be listening and might want to explore acting or getting into the, the film industry as a whole uh, and what to you know look out for, what they should be careful of, what is okay to you know say, hold on a sec, I'm not comfortable with this or whatever the case might be. Yeah, uh, wow. Um... I'd say trust yourself in all in all aspects of it, whether um, you're performing, whether you're taking on a character or um, auditioning. And also, I guess, in, in those uncomfortable situations, um, trust yourself, trust that. I think one of the things that stayed with me really early in my career was somebody said to me, um, you don't know what you're talking about because you're just an actress and for me um that was a real well obviously that was a a very incorrect and and uh jerky thing to say yeah but um i was i felt i spent so much time trying to like defend that and feeling like i had to prove myself Mm -hmm. and i i started taking that's kind of why i started working in production as well was just because i never wanted anyone to be able to say that to me ever again right and the reality is nobody ever should say that to you because you as a storyteller as an actor as a person as a yeah as a human um know so much because you've lived yes you know and um and so no matter what anybody ever tells you, trust yourself, trust your instincts. Um, and I, I actually just sat in on a, a class. Um, uh, it was like they were doing their showcase and I got to like sit in and, and give notes. And that was one thing that, you know, I remember one girl asked me, she said, um, well, how do you know if you've like given too much or it's not enough or like what to do with if something feels right? And I was like, trust yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. if it doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. But if right. it feels right, it usually is. And that that's something, you know, I think it takes a long time to develop. But right. the earlier you can figure that out, that that you as a human bring so much yeah. effortlessly and know exactly what you're doing just because you're a human and you can tell stories because you have stories is, mm-hmm. is invaluable. Yeah. No, that's really well said. Oh, thank you. That's <laughs> <laughs> a, a whim. I've never gotten that one before. Yeah, I, well, you know, I, I try not to be super cliche all the time, mm-hmm. you know, but no, uh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's just because, you, you know, about you hear all the things in, in the news about, uh, you know, like the Weinstein stuff and not that somebody might come across somebody like him at, at the, the lower levels, but you might come across somebody worse because mm-hmm. there's not the spotlight. So it's just about knowing when to be careful 
and realizing that if you upset this guy, that's not the end of it. There's somebody else down the line that's going to take you. You don't have to sell your body. You don't have to sell your soul for a role. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the really early things that um, that's that somebody said to me that was really great advice was you'll there's two types of people in the world uh, your people and not your people. And you only want to work with your people. Mm-hmm. Why would you? Why would you? So if if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't fit, like not your people, and it's okay. Like tell mm-hmm. stories with your people. Yes. You know what I mean. And uh, but about people that other people might not <laughs> might not know about. If that makes right. sense. Yeah. No. It's, it, I got lost a little bit, but I found my way back. It's good. <laughs> no, that that's fantastic advice and uh so if anybody wants to find your social media or anything that you want to share now's the Mm -hmm. time okay uh you can follow me um probably most active on instagram Mm -hmm. Uh, my instagram is insta catherine (laughs) c-a-t-h-e-r-i-n-e-c um and then on twitter and facebook it's just catherine corcoran um Yeah, or info. Although I try to, I should get better about updating that. So, <laughs> Is that kind of like a so, resume style site? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has like my, it has like my press and stuff like that, but okay. it doesn't have like my like day to day. I should be better. I'm trying, man. I'm only one person. <laughs> only one person. <laughs> you got a lot going on. So. <laughs> I try. I try. You're doing very well. So, well, thank and you. I can't wait thank to see you, you in me. the next in your next role. Uh, is there a set release for? Um, oh, I forgot the name. For I, a Three I Days Rising. Yes. Um, I don't think so. I think they're still they're still doing some filming on that. So. Okay. I'm wrapped, but I think they're still doing some stuff on that. But as soon as I know, I will blast it out. Do not worry. Awesome! I can't wait. <laughs> Alrighty. Thank you once again for sitting down Thank with you. me. Thank you. Thank uh, you so much. And happy yeah. women in horror month. Happy women in horror month. <laughs> Once again, that was Catherine Corcoran. She's an incredible actress and an incredible person all around. She is as about a genuine person as I've ever met. And it's very refreshing to see that kind of talent with that humbleness attached to it. Now sadly, that does bring us to the end of our Women in Horror Month series. I really hope you enjoyed all the interviews and all the different people that I brought onto the show. Women in Horror Month is so much more than just celebrating women in horror. It's about bringing attention to the very serious causes and struggles that women see every day in the film industry. Now granted, things are getting better, but that doesn't mean they are where they should be. Every day, women struggle in this field to make a name for themselves. And hopefully, one day, as Stephanie Malone put it in our very first interview, we won't need Women in Horror Month in order to celebrate these wonderful and incredibly talented people working behind the scenes and in front of the camera. We should be able to celebrate them every day of the week, every month of the year, and every film we watch. Creativity, talent, and hard work aren't gender-locked traits. They expand through everybody. Men, women, children, everybody has a talent. And just because you're a woman, or just because you're a man, or just because you're black, or white, or whatever, doesn't mean you don't have any more talent, or any less talent, than the person right next to you. My name is Casey, and this is the Ominous Origins Podcast. I will be back next week with my traditional content, featuring any number of unknown and mysterious things throughout history. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Every review helps, and I love reading what you have to say about what I'm putting out there. It's the only way I'm ever going to get better is if you tell me how I'm doing, what you like, what you don't like, so on and so forth. Though, I do really much prefer five-star ratings. But I won't get petty and I won't beg for them. Whatever you feel is correct, you can do. If you want to follow me on social media, you can absolutely do so on Twitter at HorrorShotsProd, as in production, on Instagram at HorrorShotsPhotography, or on Facebook at HorrorShots. If you would like to support the podcast more financially, you can do so as well at patreon.com slash horrorshots or on my Redbubble page where there are a few different original designs as well as the Omnis Origins logo as well as the original Horror Shots logo all for sale. And the link for that will be in the description. Thank you once again. Until next time.